I just want to do God's will. What you're seeking is a blessing from God. You must expect a miracle. You have the power of choice. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to Life Today Live and Christmas is coming and it Christmas is hard for a lot of people. Uh, I get it. I lost my younger sister three days after Christmas. And this will be 10 years this year. So, I mean, there are things, you know, family situations that can uh, make it difficult as well, whether they're there or not there. Sometimes it works both ways. Uh, and, and, you know, if you're lonely, uh, I just want you to be comforted at this time. And, and remember this phrase, Emmanuel, God with us. That is such a... Uh, a a mind-blowing thing and God really is with us even in the hard times which raises an interesting question when we do go through hard times which is why God if you're a good God if you're a loving God why am I experiencing such pain especially when we're believers believe me when we lost uh, my my sister to cancer 10 years ago that was a question (laughs) you know she loved you Lord she followed you with, with her whole heart you know, um, so someone said she she didn't deserve this, uh, and and I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, if if it was about what we deserve, I would be the one in the casket, not her, just based on our attitudes and actions. I mean, she was she's not a saint, but she loved the Lord, and she was a good good woman. Why do we experience these things? Well, that's the question. Uh, there's a book out right now. It's called When Life Hurts. It's by my guest, Mike Novotny, who's uh, up at in Appleton, Wisconsin, at a church called The Core, which, by the way, if you look them up, you can join them for their Christmas services this weekend online. Uh, he's also the head of an organization, a ministry called Time of Grace, which I really, Mike's been on several times, and he's kind of got an open door here because I, I love the way he teaches and the way that he reaches into these deep issues oftentimes. Uh, and really opens them up, and, and I enjoy the conversation, so I hope you do too. Mike, great to have you back. Hey, Randy, thanks for having me. So you mentioned to me before we started that, you know, a lot of these, I'm guessing most of these books are, are based on sermons and the research you're doing when you're going through that kind of preparation, mm-hmm. uh, and this one surprised you in in the response to it. I'm guessing a lot of people are hurting. Yeah, yeah, we, you know, normally order X number of books from the printer and hope that people are interested in the topic. And this is one where we had to print and then reorder and then print and then reorder because, you know, some people are interested in marriage books. Some people are interested in parenting books, evangelism books, apologetics books. But it seems like the one thing almost all of us have in common is that sooner or later you go through something difficult and whatever your prayer life or your worship life looked like before that moment of pain, it is a whole new chapter on your connection to Jesus once you're thrown into the midst of that suffering. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we've really found this to be a book that's resonating with all kinds of people. And like you said, especially at the holidays, um, just seems like if it's bad in November, it feels worse in December. Mm -hmm. So if you're lonely, if you're missing someone you lost, if you can't have a baby, if you just went through a breakup, if you lost your job, that's hard any time of the year, but when everyone else is supposed to be joyful and merry, I think it just hits you twice as hard during the holidays. Yeah. And you know, it can be financially very stressful because you want to get gifts for people and you don't have the money. I've been there more than once. Uh, So walk us through a little bit of what you're going through in the book 
uh, that's resonated with people. Yeah. So the book is basically an overview of the book of Job in the Old Testament, which is a, if you've never read it before and you're listening or watching, just a a shockingly fascinating book. Mm, It's 42 chapters long, which is more than the Gospel of Matthew or the Gospel of Mark or the Gospel of Luke or the Gospel of John. So the Holy Spirit inspired this really long book. And 35 of those 42 chapters are this old believer named Job and his three friends arguing with each other you know, back and forth about why why this happened. Job, who was so godly and so great, loses everything. And they're trying to answer that fundamental question, why? And so, yeah, in the book, we try to tackle that. Like, why why do bad things happen to relatively good people? You know, all have fallen short. We're all sinners. We don't deserve a good life from God. But compared to other humans, you know, you would think good people would have a good life. Why is it sometimes the opposite of that? And then what do you do when you're in the midst of pain or someone you love is? That's super emotional. It's spiritually dangerous. Um, The book ends, shockingly, with God showing up. And instead of like opening his, here's my grand plan for your life, he actually grills Job with, I counted, 77 straight questions. (laughs) To which Job knows the answer to zero of them. (laughs) And he, he, Job never gets an answer why this happened, and yet somehow he is satisfied when he sees God up close. And so it's a, it's a fascinating book about pain, how to handle it, what questions to ask, what questions to avoid, how to do it in community, and that's kind of uh, what I try to tackle in When Life Hurts. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you said a mouthful there. What, also, what's interesting about Job is that scholars generally, there's a consensus that it's the oldest book mm-hmm. in the Bible, which yes. tells me that this is this isn't new. We're, we're not the first ones to go through difficult things. Um, yes. Uh, well, I've got a good point in chat I'll, I'll have to bring up here in a second. But uh, what what struck you the most when you look back at Job? Was it was it the, the questions God asked Job? Was it maybe the attitudes that were seen in his friends that we still see today? Uh, yeah. Job's own attitude and struggle? What, what, what stood out to you? I think the very kickoff of the book— where in this kind of odd scene, Satan shows up and kind of questions. Well, actually, God is the one who brings up Job to Satan. And what I took away from it is a whole new way of viewing people who are in a hard spot in life, and yet they show up in church. Hmm. So, you know, the basic wager at the start of the book, Satan says to God, Job doesn't really love you. He doesn't really think you're worthy and worth it. He, he He's just doing these religious things because you've given him this great life with all this money and all this health. Mm. But if you take it away, if you stop giving and start taking, he'll curse you to your face. That's Satan's bet. And at least in the beginning, Job is incredible. He says, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. May his name be praised. And I think why that struck me is, you know, as a pastor, when I show up on Sunday and someone kind of drags themselves through the door it's been a terrible week. They're dealing with hard news. They're still battling their seasonal depression. They still can't find a job. They just went through a breakup and yet they show up at church. Mm. Like there is just something pure and noble about someone who says, I'm not coming to church because God makes this life easy. I'm coming to church because he's worthy. And, you know, I used to kind of celebrate with the people who had the baby and the pregnancy and the, the wedding and the new job and the promotion. Now I'm starting to see, wow, First um, Peter chapter 1 says, this is the proven genuineness of your faith. 
Like, I'm not using you, God. I actually love you, and I'm here to worship you because you're worth it, even when life hurts. At the same time, as we see with Job, he did question God. And I think that's a huge lesson out of the book, is it's okay to take your hurt to God and ask him about it. Yeah. Yeah, to to a point. Um, Okay. You know, Job's friends show up, and they have this really simplistic understanding of pain. And (laughs) I'm just reading this in my own devotions right now. They basically say, you know, God... God blesses good people and he punishes bad people. So even though we thought you were good, Job, you must really have been bad. Right, right, right. And and then he gets on the defensive, like, no, 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 I want I want to go to court. I want witnesses to testify. I was not hiding some secret sin. I, I really did love God and I didn't have this coming. But unfortunately, in his defensiveness, you find at the end of the book, Job actually repents and despises himself for his own attitude. Hmm. So he didn't just bring his hurt and his questions to God. That would be a healthy, wonderful thing. I think we see that a lot in the Psalms. But he goes a little bit too far to saying, you know, he crossed the line from, why is this happening? Because I'm bad? No, that can't be it. And he starts kind of implying that maybe God is bad. Uh. Maybe God isn't running a righteous and just universe. And so when God shows up to say, all right, let's let's talk about my job description, uh, that's when Job says, oh, I'm sorry. I." I should not have opened my mouth, God, and said what I said. So it, it's a real tension of what to do with our hurt and our questions. Yeah, and that's a that's a good point because I I, th- I see that a lot. I think in when people suffer, when 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 they experience loss, when they experience hardship, whatever form that comes in, sickness, especially, you know, um, mm-hmm. I think people do question the goodness of God mm, for sure. Uh, how do we how do we rectify that? How, how, how do we reconcile a good God letting people he supposedly loves? It's kind of the way we look at it. I thought you loved me, right? Yep. Go through such pain. Yeah. So when I was talking about people coming to church, um, I think to think that pain proves it. Like if I'm in pain, but I'm still here to worship you, God, that proves that I actually love you. Hmm. And I think that same concept is the answer to your question, Randy. When life is hard, how do we know that God actually loves us? His pain proves it. Like we, we don't have an answer to why I got cancer, why your sister passed so young. You can jump to the conclusion, maybe God isn't that loving. But if you go to the cross of Jesus and say, wait, this wasn't a convenient relationship for my savior. Like he went through pain to prove his love for me. Hmm. So every time I have a question, like, I don't understand why this is happening. God, I, I don't get why you don't just say yes to my prayer and fix this. Yeah. Just when the devil wants us to think, maybe God doesn't love you. To me, the most solid, firm thing is not some why question. It's not the why, but the who. Like, no, the pain of Jesus on the cross is indisputable proof that God is love, that he loves the world, and he actually loves me too. Yeah, you know, I interviewed a couple that lost uh, a very young child in a school shooting, high-profile school shooting years ago. Wow. And I, I asked them, you know, do you struggle with with why God would allow this to happen? If And, and we, I, I don't want to go down a theological path of whether he causes it to happen or just allows it to happen, or it's not God's mm-hmm. will, but it's a fallen world. I mean, all those have, you know, some merit to the arguments. But um, they said that, their healing began when they quit asking why and they said 
what now, God? In other words, they had the who down. Lord, we're still with you. What yes. What now? Um, mm. And and like like you pointed out a minute ago, a, a lot of the the story of Job is is getting past the man perspective questions and getting to the God perspective questions. Uh, so what do you what do you do with someone who's stuck in the why? Because that is a yeah. sticking place. Yeah. Look at the end of the book of Job. So after Job and his friends argue for 35 chapters, God shows up and he asks, like I said, 77 straight questions. Mm -hmm. And essentially, the I think the point of the questions is, Job, let's not forget who you are. Like, you don't know why ostriches run the way they run. <laughs> you, you don't know how much it's going to rain this weekend. Right. Like you are, I know all of those things and I don't have to think about it, but you are so limited, you're human. And before, before you get mad at me, before you judge me in the way I run the universe, let's just remember not just who I am, but who you are. Mm. And I think that takes a, a ton of humility. Um, when I was a brand new pastor, um, a high school girl at our church died of brain cancer. Mm. Um, so I got to preach at her funeral. I had the privilege of doing that. And, you know, she had... Everything, she was single digits is when she was diagnosed. So for about a decade, you know, the chemo and the surgeries until finally, I think it was her junior, senior year, she passed. And and I'm walking into this family's home and there she is, like the moments after she took her last breath and head in her mother's lap, stroking her hair. Um, and then I got I to gotta somehow get up as the man of God and provide meaning for that situation. And I remember thinking of a I stole an illustration one of my pastors used that, you know, as human beings, we feel like we're we're pretty in the know, we're pretty smart, especially because we can Google things. But I took out this straw, you know, and I'm close I shut one eye and I'm peering through the straw and realizing in this huge church, I can only see this little this little circle through the straw. Mm -hmm. And uh, I tried to encourage people as human beings, we only see, you know, this little tiny snippet of the panorama that God sees. And that's frustrating because we want to know why this happened. What, what's the purpose of this? God, show us some grand plan so we can trust you. And he doesn't. And according to the Bible, he won't. That The secret things belong to God. Deuteronomy 29, 29. But if we can run to the cross of Jesus and trust that the God who knows all things is good at his very heart, that he doesn't see things through a straw, we can kind of take a deep breath and put our heads in his father's lap and just rest and know I, I don't get it. I don't have to. One day I will, but right now I know who I am and I know who God is. So that brought a lot of comfort to that family, I think. that That's, yeah, and that's interesting because what you're talking about essentially is perspective uh, and, and understanding that we see a very narrow part and we also see kind of dimly and we don't have the full light Another aspect of that perspective that helped me in some difficult times, uh, and I saw Francis Chan did an illustration where he had a rope on stage, and mm. the rope went off the, the stage, and part of it was, this much of it was red at the end. And he had wrapped some red tape or something around it. And he said, this this is eternity, and this is, this red represents our life, and the rope mm -hmm. goes off, and we don't know how long it is. <laughs> we, we can't, you know, we know it's beyond where we can see, but... We, we don't understand that. We're consumed with this yes. much yes. of it. And when I thought, okay, you know, 40 years for my sister, three young children still, mm -hmm. um, that 
seems too short to me. But in the in the perspective of eternity, yes, it, it we don't we don't fully understand it, you know. Uh, yeah. And and we our, our timelines are not God's timelines. Our our purposes here are earthly, and we have to see the eternal. How much yes. of an eternal perspective? Yes. helps get us through the difficult times. Yeah, that's exactly what Paul ran to in Romans 8, which is one of the best New Testament chapters on suffering. Mm-hmm. I think in verse 18 he says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing yeah. with the glory that will be revealed. And I think that's the rope, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like you would know if you'd see it, oh yeah, this two inches of red tape, mm-hmm. it's not even worth comparing to this hundred foot rope. Mm-hmm. But when all you can see are the two inches, it feels like everything. It does. And so God sees the whole rope and says, just wait. Like, you're going to be so happy. Eternity is going to be so much longer. That really, without that perspective of the life after, it it would be maddening. But if you believe in God's perspective and his goodness, it changes the whole way you see the situation. Yeah, and and in fact, it it helps when you do lose someone like like I did that, we understand that we we grieve, but not like people who don't have hope. Yes, I don't know. I, I I've done one funeral in my life, and mm-hmm. I'm most of them. I don't think were Christians. Uh, mm-hmm. The you know the woman who had passed was, and I was able to talk about the hope we had because of her. But I'm like, it was it was a tough one because I'm like I don't I don't know what to tell someone who yes. doesn't have that eternal hope because. Yeah. It's just all bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I think, like what I said in the beginning, the idea of Emmanuel, God with us, is the ultimate comfort, whatever mm-hmm. we're going through. Have mm-hmm. you, do you see that when people understand that God is with you even in the suffering? Yes. doesn't make the suffering less painful at times, but it gives yeah. you a hope beyond it. Uh, so true. A couple of years ago, I did a, just my own private study on the Psalms, mm-hmm. and I noticed in the Psalms of David... I think he wrote just over 75, but half the book. In almost every psalm, he brings up some sort of pain or suffering. Like, I'm in the valley of the shadow of death. My enemies are surrounding me. These people are trying to kill me. They're, you know, there's his own sin. There's King Saul pursuing him. There's Absalom betraying him. But the other thing I noticed that the presence of God was his refuge and his strength. Uh, David would say things like, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you're with me. Yeah. <laughs> you are with me, Emmanuel. So he he knew like this world might be against me. I, I might be a, a moral wreck. But if the God I believe in, this big God of Israel, is by my side, I'm gonna be okay. I'm gonna make it. So I, I think you're spot on. The secret of contentment and peace in the Bible is always God's presence. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. One hundred percent. All right. If you're going through a tough time, you might want to pick up When Life Hurts. Uh, You can only get it uh, at the Time of Grace website, timeofgrace.org, timeofgrace.org. And uh, Mike Novotny, the author and pastor and my guest today. And I have a couple of questions for you when we get to Job, uh, because here's my sticking points with Job. (laughs) Number one, God wants to test Job. His whole family dies. What did they do to deserve that? <laughs> just mm-hmm. some, some, there's, I just look at that and go, I just in my human rationale, that's not fair. Do you experience mm-hmm. a lot of not fairness 
when you get into people's suffering where you go, it's not about even about me. It's like, what about the other person, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm fair. <laughs> there's, there's that looking right. through a straw question again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There, right. <laughs> there's that two inches of red tape question. So I, I'm, Actually, right in the middle of the book of Job, there's this really weird analogy about wh where are precious gems found. I never kind of caught this reading it my whole life. And basically, it's like you got to dig down into the earth, down into these caves and shafts. And here's here's the answer to the question. No one knows except God. Hmm. So they're buried so deep. Like you, you have no clue where these ro precious rocks are. And that's like wisdom. So you can't find true wisdom. Only God has it. So you have to pay attention to what he's revealed instead of digging around for answers. So whenever I get, it's so it's so natural, it's so human, like, okay, why? What's the explanation? This doesn't feel fair. This doesn't feel right. Okay, God, I'm my ears are open. Tell me why. And God is silent. And he points you to his presence. He points you to the cross. He asks you to trust him. He says, I haven't revealed the answer to that. There's no bonus page in the back of the Bible for your specific pain. So if you want to spend the rest of your life going crazy and knocking your head against the wall, you can, but I'm not telling you why. Um, look at what I've revealed, see my goodness in it, and then trust me as a good father. Yeah, and that's that's that can be hard at times. I think it also goes back, right? <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah, you know this. Uh, I think it does also go back to the eternal perspective because if if – eternity with God is a place where there is no pain, where there is no suffering, where there is no sickness, and someone else goes there at a time that we think is too soon, didn't God just upgrade them to the ultimate and we're mad about it? it yeah. You know, it's almost like complaining, um, you know, that, Lord, my, my, my wife is in Hawaii in the most beautiful state in the U.S. having a great time, and I'm here while it's cold, while it's minus whatever it is in Wisconsin this week, <laughs> suffering in the cold. Yes. And, and I think, you know, oh, if I, if I blame American Airlines for flying her to a beautiful place, and like mm. American Airlines must be bad. It's just, that's just a weird perspective to think yeah. that if someone's with God, that yes. something's wrong. You yes. know, it's like, no, that's the ultimate, and that's... That's your goal in this life is to end it in God's presence anyway. Yeah. So they're already there. They're the, yeah. So yeah. the whole perspective, um, it, it really, it really, when we trust God, when we mm -hmm. base the foundation on he is good, mm -hmm. it really, it helps us through the suffering, frankly. Yeah, it, it does. Um, Can I interject yeah, really yeah, quick? Yeah, absolutely. It struck me that all the things you're saying, you know, have the right perspective, think of eternity. That is so much easier to tell your heart before suffering happens. That's so true. So I've I've kind of realized the more I've talked about this book, and I'm, you know, I'm thinking of someone listening who's going through something hard. I think the book is is great for people like that. I actually think it is doubly good for people whose pain hasn't arrived just yet. Yeah. yeah. You know, because yeah. the right answers are gonna feel wrong the moment tragedy happens. Mm -hmm. You're not going to, you're probably not going to have ears to hear it. The emotion is just going to be too sounding alarms. So I think if you can prepare yourself with a biblical theology for pain and suffering before pain and suffering happens, um, I'm not just trying to get you to, you know, <laughs> buy a copy of my book, just read Job and study it and be ready for that moment. 
because Paul knew it, David knew it, the book of Job teaches it. Get yourself ready for when that moment comes. Yeah, um, it, it's interesting. I'm getting a lot of good comments with people that are going through difficult times or have and are struggling with this. This is something that we all, like you say, we're, we're going to face at some point in our life if we haven't already. And yes, getting God's perspective on it, it absolutely helps even through the hurt. It still hurts, mm-hmm. but... God's presence and and his wisdom that he has given us, um, it makes all the difference in the world. It gets us through. Um, Mm. Do you think this is a little bit of an odd theological question? Job being the oldest book, uh, being Old Testament, do you think there's any shift in any of that with Christ um, who came to, you know, remove the curses to pay for the sins and iniquities. Um, Is there any kind of shift that you see? I'm just curious. Mm, Shift in what way? Uh, In the way we look at Job, in the book of Job, Mm. post-Christ. Yeah, I think it's uh, easier for us because we know the whole salvation story. Yeah. You know, if, if Job's answer was, hey, don't try to figure out why, just remember who God is, I think post life, death, resurrection of Christ, we even have a, you know, a fuller view of the goodness of God. Yeah, that's true. So he would have to go back to the promises made to Adam and Eve about a coming Messiah. We can look back, like done deal, yeah. checks been paid and, and cashed. So, I mean, I think we see God even more than he could have. Yeah, and you know, that's a good point. It makes Job actually more interesting because it required more faith on his part yes. to get where he got, and he did. Okay, another question. Uh, coming from the chat, um, Job had all of the earthly things restored, including the people. And I'm like, I'd rather be that second wife or second son, <laughs> you know, in that, in that group, uh, when things were good, <laughs> when things were bad, what, what promise of restoration do we have? Do we think it, it I can't, I just can't, I can't go there. If you want to say, you'll get everything back in this life. I I've just seen it not happen too many times. Yes, thank uh, you. Am I just wrong there, or or is this, again, this is an eternal perspective kind of question? Yeah. yeah. A very maybe not talked about often thing in the Christian church is what the Bible says about the resurrection of the body. So 1 Corinthians 15 uh, hints at it, Second Peter 3, about we are awaiting in faith a new heavens and a new earth where righteousness dwells. And the Apostle Paul said, you know, our, our resurrected bodies will be so glorious. It'll be like the difference between a seed and like the flower that grows from it. So I think there is an immense promise of restoration, not in this life, but when Jesus comes back to restore all things. So families, bodies, health. Um, are we, I, I'm so excited about that moment. <laughs> like, Well, yeah, I mean, and it says that, that, you know what the the corruptible cannot inherit the incorruptible there there is and and i know i've had the kind of debates and stuff about whether resurrection is physical or spiritual you know new body whatever i personally i'm not that infatuated with with this fleshly body i mean it's it's going to be better so i'm I'm good with that (laughs) but um i have that's led to some funny conversations, actually. Um, 
how old will you be? How tall will you be? You know, what color yeah. will your skin be? Will you still have whatever? Sure. How beautiful will you be? You know, I, I and some of those I think are, are almost childish questions, mm. you know? Sure. Um, yeah. But fun to kind of chat about in the break room. The point being that the idea of something that is incorruptible mm. because it's the corruption of this world and this body that brings so much pain yes there's so much hope in that promise right there and and like you pointed out job didn't know that he mm. had to trust we know that now and that mm. to me brings hope that even though it's hard that mm. hope can get us through a lot yes oh yeah a pregnant woman goes through many pains yeah some of them more intense than she's ever experienced and yet she perseveres and endures through the, those moments because of the hope of something that makes it all worth it yeah. you know what mom doesn't hold her newborn baby and say no this was a bad deal <laughs> <laughs> like she just went through maximum pain but what what was coming, what she holds in her arms, is is so worth it. And this is Paul's picture in Romans eight. It's like, yes, these are labor pains we go through. They are not small. Like being a widow, a widower, having an autoimmune disease, battling mental health struggles your whole life. That that is brutal. It's like the pains of labor. But there is something coming, and that's the hope you're talking about. Yeah. You don't have it yet, because it wouldn't be hope if you already had it. Mm -hmm. But I would say meditate on Job and then jump to Romans 8 and just see where Paul goes with pain. He's not scared. He's not rattled by it. He knows it's part of this life, and he sees through the suffering with the hope of resurrection. Oh, boy, this is so good. We could keep going, but I'm going to cap it here. I'll give you the last word, um, but I do want to point people to your website, timeofgrace.org. It looks like this, uh, and you can find more encouragement you can find more books dealing with lots of different things um as well as this one by the way this is the only place you can get when life hurts um so don't go searching on on uh, amazon or any of those other places for this one but there are some of mike's books on amazon too but if you particularly want uh this book on on pain what we've been talking about today uh timeofgrace.org um last word parting parting thoughts for people who are struggling who are really actually at this point probably in the interview going oh this guy's giving me a little bit of hope mm. uh I, and now i gotta go back to my normal life and live with the pain or work through the pain uh, what, yeah. what what can they take with them that maybe will make the you know the holidays or the painful season they're going through if they're watching this later uh, yeah. a little easier yeah i would tell them to remember the story of my mom so 1980, I'm born, uh, but a year later, my younger brother, uh, James is born, but he's born really sick. Mm. And uh, my dad w wasn't a church guy at that time. So my mom's taking me as a little kid with my older brother. And tragically, six weeks after my little brother's birth, he passes. Mm. And my mom, like Job, had to make a choice in that moment. God gave her a son. Now he was taking a son away. Would she worship him mm. and praise him? And my mom would tell you she's not a woman of great faith. But as I think back on her suffering and realize as soon as her child passed, she called her pastor. Um, and even though she was suffering so much, she ran to worship in church. And I grew up as a kid 
being connected to God and the gospel because my mom didn't need to know why. She knew who. And I think now, you know, I end up getting into ministry. I, I get to preach the gospel with all kinds of people. I get to write books. Uh, I married my wife. We're raising two daughters in the Christian faith. Like, would any of these things have happened if my mom had said, I'm only going to worship God when he's good? Mm. And she could not have seen the future in that moment right. when she picked up the phone and ran to the church and to her Savior. And so I would say to someone, nope, I, I wish I could explain to you why I can't, but I do know this. Uh, God is good to his word. He says in Romans 8, he's going to use everything for the good of his church. So take a step of faith. Hold on to the God that you know and love, whose pain proves it, that he does love you too. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that seed that you sow in this moment is going to bring back something beautiful, either in this life or in the life to come. So good. Mike, thank you for the encouragement today. Appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate you guys watching. If you know someone that's going through a hard time, you might just share this interview and say, hey, this, this helped me, and I think it will encourage you too. Uh, and be sure to check out timeofgrace.org uh, for more encouragement uh, in the book, which is available now. And come back. We'll be here through the holidays um, offering you some thoughts, some encouragement, some inspiration. And uh, just know God is with us, whatever you're going through. See you again next time here on Life Today Live. No man comes to the Father but by me.